Welcome to the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, where it is never too early for fantasy football. My name is Jeff. Alex. Alex, we are full steam ahead on this football season as week five is over. Sadly, the football season is going really, really fast. But on a happier note to our listeners, as always, thank you for downloading, listening, liking, and commenting on our podcast videos. Please subscribe to us on the socials. We are on Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, X, and Threads with the handle at N2E Fantasy. Alex, what do we have on today's show? Today's episode is recap of week five. We'll go over the injuries. We'll go over uh, any breakouts. We'll go over any changing of the guards. Let's go ahead and do this episode. Our takeaways from week five, and we can start with the Thursday night game, Bears at Washington. Jeff, what was interesting about this game to you? This went exactly how we thought it would go, right? Well, I mean, I did hedge and say, you know, don't count the Bears out, but we did think Washington was going to win, and it was a complete disaster on their side. So Bears snuck away with a win on this one. They were desperate to break that streak. They didn't want to go 0-15. So, <laughs> Is so this the they, sixth or uh, the they... seventh Justin Fields victory? I think it's the seventh, but I it's think the first so of this year. Yes, and it's a big deal. Your guy that you do have in a dynasty league, DJ Moore, blew up in this game, and he's the one that really stood out to me as a breakout candidate. Fields was the beneficiary of good yards after the catch from Moore, but I know in the preseason, they did say that they wanted to start hitting more quick hits with fields and the receivers so they could get the yards after the catch but the bears kind of ran out of running backs during this game yeah they had one running back on the bench who wasn't active but they had both roshan who went out with a concussion and khalil herbert who hurt his knee or ankle in this one they basically had to use their fullback passenger as a running back in this game just to be able to run some plays so it was pretty much all dj moore from that point and he looked uncoverable looked like the first round corner that washington grabbed this recent draft wasn't able to cover him at all and he just looked unstoppable and that was a very apparent to anyone who watched the game or started or played against dj moore in any of your matchups absolutely but what was really surprising about this matchup like dj moore we've seen this before from him he's blown up in games before hopefully he can continue that going but washington kind of abandoned the run in this game and you could say it was because they were in comeback mode the entire second half but i don't know if that is necessarily true because they were only down seven in the late third early fourth quarter and they had 51 passes that is not really striving for balance at all and it is something that they're really going to have to work on, especially with a guy like Brian Robinson, who I think only had like six or seven carries. That's not really enough to like get your run game going. Like that's normally like a starter. Sam Howell, I think going forward is a bye week fill in at quarterback. He's probably a top 15 option at this point, just because of the way that they use him and the way that he throws the ball. Just hopefully he can stay healthy the entire year because he is the most sacked quarterback in the league right now. Yeah, I would say Sam Howell is top 15 during the bye weeks and top 20 for the year. I, I think that would be fair to say. What was concerning for me, besides the apocalypse for the running backs for uh, Chicago, is that Terry McLaren and Jahan Dotson are just not getting enough targets 
this week was the Logan Thomas show. He got the majority of the targets, and Curtis Samuel looks like he's taken over as the wide receiver one for this team, which is very surprising. I know in years past, Curtis Samuel was always a sleeper darling for whatever team he was on, and now it seems like it's come into fruition. So if he's on anyone's free agent wire, go ahead and pick him up. He He probably is on a lot of waiver wires right now, so... I know I picked him up before the game in one league that I was desperate for a wide receiver spot. And I'm trying to pick him up in another league, but I doubt I'll end up getting him. Yeah, tight ends, a wasteland, and Logan Thomas is someone that you can scoop up to for a a dart throw. Yep, I agree. But I am impressed with Chicago for pivoting and finally sculpting an offense around Justin Fields' strengths. Justin Fields was a little bit quicker with his reads and his throws, although still looked slow when you're watching the game, still look like he's still half a second or full second off from when he should be throwing the ball. But essentially, DJ Moore just helped him out tremendously. Like you said, a lot of his yardage came after the catch and on explosive plays and broken coverages. So that kind of inflated Fields' numbers. I would expect and hope that Justin Fields continues to improve, although he end up he may end up just not good enough by the end of the year, but we'll see if he can continue to make strides. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, yeah, hopefully they can put it together two weeks in a row and we will review that game in our next episode, moving on to our London game where I woke up really early and made breakfast for the household. Um, We did, we watched the Jaguars at the hometown Buffalo Bills and uh, the Jaguars did look fresher in London. They did, they were there the entire week because they played back-to-back games in London. And I do expect teams to do this going forward. Like I expect teams to play one home game and one road game going forward, at least one team per year, maybe even the Jaguars every year, but ETN looked great. What did you think about Buffalo this week in London? Well, I thought it was interesting, both the London game and the Thursday night game, the team that was overwhelmingly favored and bet on, by like 90%, both those teams lost. So Washington and Buffalo both lost. That was very weird for me that uh, everyone seemed to be very wrong about these matchups. And it's concerning for me that Buffalo just completely abandoned their run game as well. You would like to think that these running backs, and so like James Cook, Tavis Murray, Damian Harris, they should have gotten more run plays and maybe balanced it out, especially since they were relatively close to the Jaguars, so there's no reason for them to have abandoned the run game that early and have Josh Allen throw 40 times. But yeah, it it looks bad on that front. However, Gabe Davis, I think, has solidified himself as the number two option in the receiving game. He's put together several good weeks this year, which is more consistent than he's been in years past. I think he's an every week wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside. So that was one good thing to come in this game, but a complete dud for James Cook this week. Still haven't seen much of Tank Bigsby on the Jaguars side. It looked like it was 90% uh, ETN in this matchup. And Calvin Ridley had a bounce back week, which was nice. So that was good. And Christian Kirk still still is very effective. Uh, Evan Ingram is a distant third option right now, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. But as you had mentioned, Gabe Davis, he is in a contract year. So this shouldn't be too surprising. We've seen this before. Player enters a contract year and then they ball out. They actually put it all together. Gabe Davis is doing that. He is very clearly the number two, but it does look like they have been peppering in Hardy and also here as well. So those are just names to keep in the background of your mind as we watch and see if anything happens to anyone that is currently a Buffalo Bills wide receiver. I did notice that Stefan Diggs had a little bit of an outburst on the sideline. 
And the outburst um, obviously is about him not getting the ball, which is totally fine because we know that it works with the alpha receivers more times than not. But again, going back to my earlier concern in the off season, he, him doing that makes Josh Allen force him the ball. And when you're forcing him the ball like that, you're going to make mistakes. And he threw a pick like pretty much on the next drive after digs through that fit. So just something to keep in the back of your mind. This is why I don't like when quarterbacks force the ball to wide receivers. Other than that, Allen's been very mistake-free this year. The only time that he is is when he's forcing the ball to Diggs after Diggs chirps a little bit. So kind of an interesting dynamic there right now, but I do expect them to rate the ship this week back at home against the Giants. But moving on to another week. I just want to add something. I just want to ask. So are we completely out on Dalton Kincaid at this point, or are we still hoping that he does something this year he'll do something this year i just think that it's taking him a little bit of time to get used to it and he also is splitting time with Knox, which is very annoying but very predictable entering this year so he's not a guy like laporta that has the entire tight end room to himself basically laporta is actually balling out but i do expect kincaid to get more opportunities probably after the bye week i would assume they would make those changes okay all right now let's now let's move on to the AFC North matchup here, the Baltimore Ravens at the Steelers. And my gosh, did the Steelers pull off an upset win. Ugly upset win, but still a win. Jeff, what do you make of this matchup? Man, we could go rewind the tape from last week and see that I said that this has a potential to be a low-scoring game. This was one of the lowest-scoring games of the entire week. And Pittsburgh pulls it out because it was low-scoring. Um, so I did think that Pittsburgh had a shot in this game. Um, but I don't know if you saw the video, but Matt Canada did not look happy on the game winning jer- touchdown throw from Pickens to Pickett, Pickett to Pickens. Yep, I got it the wrong way, but because uh, it looked like that was not the play that he had called. So there is video of Canada not being happy about that touchdown. Uh, kind of interesting to see that at the home games in Pittsburgh. There is fire Canada chance all the time. Um, I think. Once you get to this point of a fan base being this disgruntled with a coach, it's probably better to just move on from the coach, even if he's a decent coach at that point. Because at the end of the day, they're really putting out a product for their fans right now. Um, And this really isn't happening at this time. They just got lucky pulling out a win. And we'll get to why they were a little bit lucky here in a second. But the other Steelers thing that I noticed, like this was reverse of last week where Harris outperformed Warren this week, Warren outperformed Harris. Um, So it does seem like that's going to go back and forth. And it doesn't seem like there's going to be a leader in the clubhouse anytime soon there. And it's just going to frustrate fantasy owners back there because one's going to take away from the other's workload and then may even have a bad week on top of that. But as I said, with Baltimore, um, Flowers had some pretty bad drops. Um, So Lamar really needs some receiving help. He needs a steady number one receiver, one that'll catch the ball, one that'll stay on the field. Uh, Mark Andrews typically is that, but he has not performed up to that level this year so far. But Flowers really needs to hone his cra- This is He could really take over this receiver room right now, year one, and it's up to him to put in the work to get to that point, and hopefully he does. So this was another, the thir- third matchup in a row where it was almost 90% of people bet on the Ravens, and the Ravens ended up losing. So again... The masses were wrong again, and you know we were right there with them in this case. But apparently, it was very windy, and the ball kept drifting. But Lamar Jackson went against a defense that pressures the quarterback very well with T.J. Watt. 
and Lamar Jackson crumbles under pressure. Um, so whenever he's hurried, whenever he's pressured, he makes bad decisions and bad throws. It doesn't help that receivers drop the ball. I was concerned that with Odell Beckham Jr. coming back this week, he might eat in to Zay Flowers' uh, target share. That wasn't the case. He's still the number one target, and he's even edging out Mark Andrews in that regard, which is nice to see for, for at least Flowers. Um, again, pitiful rushing on both teams. So Gus Edwards only got 48 yards off of 12 rushes, and then you look at Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. They didn't do much on the ground either. Uh, I think I disagree with you that I think Jalen Warren has been overall the the better all-around running back just because he brings so much more on the passing game. Yes, Najee can pass a little bit, or can catch, I should say, uh, a little bit, but Warren is better at it than he is. Warren has fresher legs. He's a little bit quicker. Najee is more of a, a bulky, strong back, which can have its uses, but right now he hasn't been very efficient. They haven't been able to get anything going on the ground, uh, and that's kind of concerning. Whereas Baltimore, it's I, seem, I think it's more to do with Lamar Jackson's rushing ability himself that is preventing some of these running backs from putting up big numbers. Both those teams have to work on those issues. To me, it doesn't seem like the Ravens have gotten better overall in their play calling or their schemes. It doesn't seem like the new offensive coordinator has done what fans hoped they would do and open up the pass game more. So I'm concerned that neither one of these teams are get, are very creative. They're not setting up the quarterbacks to succeed. Uh, they don't have the ground game going. But fortunately for both these teams, they do have a wide receiver that's showing out pretty much every week now. Not say Flowers for Baltimore and George Pickens for Pittsburgh. George Pickens demolished all the uh, secondary that the Ravens threw out against him. He made plays left and right, even on tight coverage. So that's very impressive. Um, Hopefully, they can get rid of Matt Canada because I think Kenny Pickett, his his year is salvageable. And I think him going rogue is a huge indictment to Matt Canada because he went rogue, but he got the touchdown, which to me means Kenny Pickett was correct. If he, if he got the touchdown on that play, then he was the one that was correct. So that's just my thought there. Um, I'm hoping in a couple weeks that Deontay Johnson is back. And that helps out Kenny Pickett in the Steelers offense more. But good for them for... Uh, earning this tough victory. Yeah, and it, 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 it lends some hope to uh, Kenny Pickett and his career that he can make decisions like this um, when he's when he's actually the one making the decisions. So just something to think about. Nothing that, nothing that we need to make decisions on right now, but uh, just something to think about. Let's move on to your Carolina Panthers at the Detroit Lions. Jeff, I will let you start this one out. Oh boy. So this was not, this was not a great game for me, but Bryce Young does continue to improve and we definitely underrated Adam Thielen this year. Um, We thought going from Minnesota to a rookie quarterback with Bryce Young, that, uh, that there was going to be some issues or some drop off or some aging that was going to happen with Thielen. We were wrong with that. We definitely should have had him higher probably should have been a fourth or a fifth round pick as opposed to like eighth, ninth, 10th round pick. That is something that we'll continue to monitor this year. I do think that there is one thing that's missing in Bryce Young's repertoire, and that is a run game. We did hear very early on, I'm not sure if you heard about this or if we even talked about it, but Carolina was in on Jonathan Taylor, at least slightly, because I do think that they were trying to get a run game going for Bryce Young. He doesn't have that right now. Sanders has been a hurt Shelba Hubbard hasn't been able to really step into that role. 
that's a big problem for a rookie quarterback right now. We cannot get the run game going, and uh, it does not seem like there's an end in sight there. But on the flip side, it does not look like Goff needs a wide, a specific wide receiver such as St. Brown anymore. He relied on Reynolds and Laporta plenty in this game, and I think Laporta is a must start. But I also believe David Montgomery completely underrated him as well. He is a must start going forward, um, and I, I didn't see that coming. But this is turning into a bit of a trend with Dan Campbell and his offense that he likes that big running back and. Last year was Jamal Williams. This year was David Montgomery. So, and then the the more shiny weapon, such as Swift and Gibbs, they get kind of pushed to the wayside a little bit. But that was where my big takeaways from this game. The Lions seem to be legit, and uh, they'll only get better as St. Brown comes back and Jamison Williams gets some playing time under his belt. Well, 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 Jeff. You finally come around on David Montgomery. It's interesting what a running back can do when he gets behind an offensive line that can actually run block instead of being stuck on a bad Chicago team. So it's almost like a, an improved situation helps him showcase the talent he already had. So I I like David Montgomery. I think I was in on him in my top running back positions before the year started. I've been a big fan of him. Uh, I think he, he got done dirty by how bad and incompetent Chicago has been the last several years. It's nice to see him succeed. Uh, he has had a hyper-efficient metric for short yardage runs and red zone runs as well. So I know that Williams did well last year, and it was an insane target to get as many touchdowns as he did. But I think David Montgomery can equal that. I think it's certainly possible, So as long as he stays healthy for the rest of the year. But I, I think he's been very crucial for Detroit. I think Gibbs isn't quite an all-around running back yet, and he has elements of his game that he needs to work through and hopefully he comes back and helps balance David Montgomery going forward. But I really like the lions every week. I feel more secure and good about my decision to pick them to win the NFC, especially with the Cowboys losing. And we can talk about that later, but I really like the lions this year. I agree with you that Goff is making it work with whoever he throws out there <laughs> or throws to in this instance, but hopefully Monroe St. Brown's back and that just gives him another boost. On the Panthers' side, I thought when you were talking about Bryce Young, the only thing he's missing, I was about to say height, uh, because That's I, think nice. it would help him, I think it would help him see the field better as well as give him leverage to throw higher in the air and get a little bit further. Um, he had some brutal picks. He had more plays that should have been picks, but he also had a couple nice throws, one of, w one of which he threw right into the receiver's hands, and yes, the receiver had a defender hit him, but it went right in his hands. It should have been a touchdown. Um, and the receiver dropped it. So I can see why they're looking for another receiver. Adam Thielen, yes, he's been performing. He's more of a possession guy than he is a field stretcher. Um, he's a savvy veteran, but he's not uh, super athletic, and he's not necessarily a red zone type target. So you want another wide receiver to balance off with him. And right now, eventually they're going to figure out how to scheme Thielen out if no one else contributes. So that would be helpful to get another wide receiver. I think they're, honestly, I think their running back situation is okay. Yes, Miles Sanders got a fumble, and uh, I think they relied on Chubba Hubbard a little bit more at that point, but they're just not consistent with it. They're not able to get their run blocking down. They're another one of these teams that struggle with run, with run blocking, and only a handful of running backs can make up for poor blocking. So it's it's not a feat that is easily overcome. And I know we like to think that every position 
like the top guys are just superhuman, but a lot of times they benefit from a good run blocking scheme or just good run blocking linemen that really help them out. So they're missing a few pieces. I, I still think that they will get a win um, at some point. I don't think that they'll end up a bottom team, but right now they're still struggling to put everything together. Completely agree. And I don't really have much more to say about this, but you were right about Montgomery. Now we switch over to your team here and we get to discuss that where the Texans were at the Atlanta Falcons. I'll let you go ahead and get kicked off with that one. Yeah, the, we're continuing along with the theme of teams that are unable to get anything going on the ground game. And that's, in this case, the Houston Texans have still struggled to run the football. So that's one thing that could have helped them in this matchup to take more possession time and keep the ball away from the Falcons. But they've been hyper inefficient about that. It is strange to me that Devin Singletary didn't even get a rush, as far as I can tell, in this game. It was pretty much all Damian Pierce with Tank Dell with, uh, mixing in a couple of times, which I'm not sure that I would use Tank Dell in that situation. Um, he's not as sturdy as Debo Samuel is. I know they're trying to emulate the 49ers offense, but they're not quite there. Uh, Dalton Schultz did show up very well. I think he is of the tight end two conversation. So potentially a bi-week fill-in for a uh, tight end for you out there. Tank Dell, I think, is still putting in salvageable weeks but you have to consider him as a wide receiver three or flex. Nico Collins had a down game this week. I expect him to bounce back next week. Uh, John Mechie has just been non-existent this year, and I pretty much expect that to continue. I, I think he's still getting himself up to full game speed after missing um, all of last year due to uh, illness. Um, the Falcons, on the other hand, they are usually able to put up a decent ground game. This time, not so much. So that tells you that the Texans have improved their defense. However, Kyle Pitts finally had a decent week. So I think that's encouraging for him. I still don't buy that he's 100% back. So I, I need to see him do more before I announce he's back and he's okay to start on a weekly basis. Drake London is still like wide receiver three flex territory. I still don't feel good about him. But Johnny Smith has been consistent the last few weeks. So I feel like Johnny Smith is... Another guy that's at the top of like the tight end two conversation by week filler. So he's a guy that you can throw out there, maybe even a tight end one, which is more of an indictment of the tight end situation all around right now. But both these teams are, are in my opinion, very similar. They're middling teams. I don't think either team is going to make the playoffs, but they do show signs of life. They do have a lot of young weapons and a improving defense. So these are two teams to watch in the next couple of years potentially show up in the playoffs. I completely agree. I do like the the strides that Stroud's taking. <laughs> I try to say that ten times fast. Um, and I like his no INT streak, which is actually really impressive. It will end at some point, so we just need to wait for it to end. But it will end at some point. Um, but did you know that Ritter was undefeated at home before reading it here? He's undefeated in college and the NFL at home. Interesting. Yep. So maybe they maybe they just need to get another quarterback for the away games. Yes. So it's and, and then London and Pitt show up together this time. Like they got enough targets, they got enough catches to actually be productive, but then Bijan falls off. Yeah. <laughs> so I I do think that Bijan at the end of the year we're gonna look back and say a first round pick was too hefty for a rookie running back where we didn't know anything about him. But that was where you had to take him if you did want any shares of Bijan. Um but uh, and then Pierce is on pace for 840 yards, Alex. I know you told me 1300 was going to be where he is about, 
but uh, it does not seem like he's on pace to get there. And it's really disappointing to see that they don't. They also don't have the run game going to help their rookie quarterback, kind of like the Panthers do not have their run game going for the rookie quarterback. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Damian Pierce will have a, a week where he gets 500 yards and he makes up the difference. 500 yards, got it. If a no can team. do it, Damian Pierce can do it. No, I'm just kidding. Right? I do expect him at some point to bounce back, but no, I, I don't think he's going to hit that 1,300 yards mark either way. Uh, right now, he's, he has an outside chance to get like 1,100 plus. So I, I hope that he can turn it around, that they can figure out a scheme where he can bust loose. Otherwise, it's going to be a disappointing year on the ground. He might make some of it up in the air. We'll see. I'm not giving up hope on him yet. <laughs> you can't. You can't. Not yet. But we can move on to the New Orleans Saints at the New England Patriots. And my, my, are the Patriots completely in shambles. Looks like they've officially given up on Mac Jones, but I don't think Bailey Zappi is the answer either. Jeff, what do you feel about this matchup? So I don't, I, unless I've missed it, they really haven't said anything about who the starting quarterback is going to be going forward. They definitely benched Mac Jones back to back weeks. At some point, they're going to have to move off of him and see what else they have. But just some interesting pieces here of what's happening in a post Brady world for New England. Um, I, I, I don't honestly know where they move forward with this. Maybe they need to go find a quarterback on the waiver wire like Carson Wentz to lead them for the rest of the year. Like, I don't know what the answer is here. Maybe, maybe, maybe stranger things have happened. Maybe a Wentz Belichick world works for both of them. And uh, it, it, it does blow my mind that someone with Carson Wentz's talent isn't at least a backup in this league right now. Um, and some people are upset about the um, his attitude and stuff, but I can't really see that being this big of a hindrance unless he's done something unforgivable. And I'm assuming we would have heard about that. So I, I guess I'm not really understanding that. So I guess that might be an option for here. Um, but switching over to the Saints side, Kamara looked good. He's mostly back and he is a must start going forward. So congratulations to people that weathered the three weeks of him being suspended. And uh, I do expect him to get better and better, especially as Carr gets healthier and healthier and the throwing game, the passing game gets to be more of a threat. I think that hampers a little bit of Kamara right now is the throwing game isn't as big of a threat right now. Olave was outperformed by Thomas, but Olave got the touchdown. Do you think Olave was overdrafted? I think he was the second rounder when all was said and done last or in last month in drafts. So is there anything that I'm missing from this game? I mean, it was an onslaught, a shutout by the Saints. So I will just say for, for the Saints side, I agree. Alvin Kamara is an every week must start. As far as Olave, I mean, the first three weeks, he looked like he was earning that high draft mark because he was getting, you know, 10, 11 targets each week, getting six or eight catches, 112 yards, 86 yards, 104 yards. But the last two weeks, he's completely dropped off the map. Granted, Carr has not been throwing the ball very much in those games, or at least last week, he just wasn't efficient because he was hurt. This week, he didn't throw nearly as much. Um, it, they relied mostly on the ground game, which is totally fair when you're demolishing the other team and your defense is playing well. So I, I think Olave is still, in my opinion, a wide receiver too. I think that's disappointing for some people who drafted him as a wide receiver one, but I think the reality is he's a wide receiver too, and I think he will have more big weeks to come. Um, I feel bad for anyone who wasted their 
uh, waiver wire budget on Kendrick Bourne because he's done nothing since uh, his one big week. And I don't think I see a path for any of these guys other than Hunter Henry to bounce back. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson and Zeke Elliott have both been disappointing the last several weeks. And that's very concerning. But that's when you don't have quarterback play, everyone's just going to stack the box. And that's just the reality of where they're at right now. Um, I could see them trading for a quarterback, or I could see them just being bad and trying to draft a quarterback early in this next draft. So, I mean, they could trade for someone. I mean, they'd have to work out the financials. It'd have to be realistic. But I could see them trading for someone like Kyler Murray if Arizona wants to roll with Dobbs because Dobbs has been playing well for them. Or the reverse, when Kyler Murray comes back, I could see Arizona trading a now-valuable Dobbs to a team that needs a better quarterback. So you can kind of see it go either way. Um, Tannehill is an option for people at some point, I would imagine. And uh, Kirk Cousins, if they, if the Vikings give up on the season and Kirk Cousins agrees to a trade because he does have a no-trade clause, I could see him going to a new team, although I don't think he'd go to New England at this point. Right. Absolutely. Um, I guess the question is, is, does Bill Belichick get another stab at this? Or is this the end of Bill Belichick in New England? And that is kind of what the interesting piece of this is. And who has the power in this relationship between Kraft and Belichick? Or, I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, Kraft is going to have the power of that. But is is Kraft still giving Bill Belichick free reign of this franchise? Or, or is uh, Kraft saying, no, you cannot make moves anymore without clearing them through me? And Kraft is going to start doing what's in the best interest of the franchise. Yeah, that's going to be interesting because they have a really good relationship, so I, I don't know. Yeah, it's going to start souring quickly. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the Giants at the Dolphins. And sorry, folks, we cannot report that the Giants <laughs> beat the Dolphins. It's just uh, it's been a brutal year for them, and it continues to be brutal. Uh, one thing I've been surprised about, though, is I feel like Miami, although I think they are running a lot of plays, it doesn't feel like they're running a lot of plays. <laughs> They've just been hyper-efficient and very explosive, and it's nice for anyone who has any of these players on their team. But, man, do you feel terrible about anyone on the Giants right now? And, Jeff, how do you feel, one, on both sides, like Dr. Jackal and Mr. Hyde kind of situation with these two teams, polar opposite seasons right now and going in polar opposite directions. How do you feel about these two teams? So... The Giants are just a tire fire right now, and it's not just Daniel Jones. I know I'm going to blame a lot of this on Daniel Jones, but it's not just him. The coaching hasn't been great. The receiving core hasn't been great. They still don't have a guy for Jones to target all of the time. Waller was usable in this game, so that is one bright side of this, and it does appear that Saquon Barkley will be pretty close, if not fully back next game. But... On the flip side, the Dolphins, they all seem usable as long as they are healthy. And I say that because Devin Achan is not healthy any longer. He seems to be going on the IR with a knee injury, but he is getting a second opinion before that does happen. If that does happen, Wilson will be back. You fire up Mostert because he is a must start. And you fire up Wilson because he will be the person taking the Achan the role going forward. Jeff Wilson, and, not Cedric. Correct. They have all There's the Wilsons, I guess. Wilsons. Yeah. Hey, Mr. Wilson. We have uh, we have a, a situation here where it'll be interesting to see how much Achan misses. Given if it's if it's more than four weeks, this does become more concerning for him going forward in future years. If it's four weeks and he's back, and we forget about this, and he's never injured again this year, then he might even enter a first round pick conversation next year. 
Not, I'm not sure that he'll make it, but he might enter that conversation, especially if he picks up where he left off. And then lastly, uh, Tua had some really boneheaded mistakes in this game. This game should have been a blowout. This shouldn't have been close. A pick six made it closer than it was. Um, and that was the Giants' first first-half touchdown this year. Came off of a pick six. Um, we're five games in, folks, and that's not good. <laughs> so, And that's not all on Jones. That's on coaching because the first few drives should be scripted. Basically, they're not scripting them out appropriately for Jones, and Jones isn't applying the script well either. Barkley will be back. That will help. But fire up all of your Dolphins, whoever's starting. Gi- the Giants are looking terrible. So we'll talk about who to start in this next matchup against the Bills a little bit later on. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting when it comes to Tua because he's averaging almost 72% accuracy with his passes, but he's also on pace to have the most interceptions he's ever had in a season as well. So it's kind of weird to be in that situation when he makes a mistake. It's a bad one, it seems like. So, But he is on pace to uh, have an insane amount of yardage by the time the year's over, too. He's averaging 323 yards per game five weeks into the season. And uh, he is looking phenomenal for the most part. But again, he is one of these shorter quarterbacks. And I I think that that comes into play as well. A lot of his mistakes are anticipating routes rather than actually seeing things play out. So he throws it where he thinks the receiver is going to be. And sometimes if the receiver doesn't run the right route, he's not going to be there and the defender will be. So that's one element to his game that's a big problem. I don't think that they'll miss Devon Achan that much because Raheem Mostert is a very similar back in a lot of regards. Jeff Wilson is going to be a good guy to mix in. He's someone people should be picking up off the waiver wire if he is there. But I don't think the team's really going to miss that much of a beat without Achan. Um, the Giants, however, are in complete shambles. They refuse to use Jalen Hyatt, who's the one player who can make a difference for them at this point because he's the only field stretcher that they have on their entire team. Um, I, I just think that team, like you said, um, they're pretty much a dumpster fire. They're pretty much a tire fire at this point, and I, I don't see them getting better until they change things up. No, and and I completely agree with you there, and I don't know what that in-season changeup looks like. Is it trading for one of the Broncos' wide receivers? What like What is it that could spur this change that we're talking about right now? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's anyone available right now that would make a difference. Absolutely. So <laughs> that moves on to our next game here where we have the Titans and the Colts. And thank goodness the Colts went out and got Gardner Minshew because he's the only quarterback that can make it through a game for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, he's made it through five and uh, Richardson's made it through one because Anthony Richardson is injured again. There is a consideration that he is going to go on the injured reserve list and miss at least four games with a grade three AC joint, which does not sound good at all. Um, I think cars was a grade one or a grade two AC joint. Um, So that's just for context purposes. It is concerning that he's only started and finished one out of five games so far. It is becoming a trend. Um, and a lot of it, and at least the first game and this game, it's because he thought that he could run over defenders. And he's a quarterback in the National Football League against professional athletes. He needs to do better at getting out of the way, sliding, uh, protecting himself. Because availability, I do believe, is a skill. I don't believe in injury prone as like a label, but I do believe in availability being a skill. And being available to your team is one of the most 
impressive and useful traits that one can have. Were there, I'll let you pick up on Anthony Richardson because I know you completely disagree with me on the Anthony Richardson front. But for me, this is concerning, and I would like to see if this is going to be a trend going forward or not. So I think that the coaching staff has to do a better job at protecting Anthony Richardson. And I think that that play was a scripted play where he was running. I think that he hasn't learned how to fall or how to take a tackle or how to avoid certain situations, which he doesn't have a lot of playing experience in college. So he'll learn that. It's hard to learn that that on the sideline. Yeah, it it is. But it's only year one. He's one of the youngest quarterbacks. Um, in the league right now. So I, I think that he'll get there. And I think that he has, he lets them do more elements that Gardner Minshew can't. Their play action ability is much higher when Anthony Richardson's out there. They run more play action. It's more effective as well. It's not as effective with Gardner Minshew and they don't call it as much with Gardner Minshew. Um, I think Gardner Minshew is a game manager quarterback. I think right now he's been very efficient. I don't, th- I don't expect that to last. I think that they're going to struggle against the Jaguars and they're going to struggle against other teams relying on Gardner Minshew. I think it's going to be similar to Baltimore. And I don't think that the Jaguars are as vulnerable as Baltimore is right now with how banged up they've been on the defense and the offensive line. Um, I do think that Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor will benefit because they won't have a rushing quarterback stealing their yardage. So those are guys to benefit. I think Josh Downs has been improving and he's had a couple good weeks in a row. So I like that. I think, Pittman hopefully will get more yardage with Minshew over the next few weeks. But ultimately, I, I don't really see the downsides of Richardson missing time right now, especially in his rookie season. I think he's played a little bit. He'll get time to digest a little bit. I think he'll eventually be out there. But I, I want Gardner Minshew to show if he actually deserves a starting job, and he'll get probably four weeks in a row, most likely, because I think the most likely uh, outcome is Richardson goes on IR. I don't really see him not and I don't see a reason for him not to because I don't think this team's gonna make the playoffs. I think that they will lean on Gardner Minshew and maybe he'll be someone that they could trade in the offseason for a decent package. But ultimately I think he limits the Colts options, although he's efficient. Uh on the other hand, I think that the Tennessee Titans are another really bad team, although it was very nice to see DeAndre Hopkins look good in a game and actually break over a hundred yards receiving. Hopefully that continues. The Titans were a little bit better in pass protection, so I think they've improved there. However, Derrick Henry couldn't get anything going on the ground. I think Derrick Henry has looked slow. I think that um, he keeps getting stopped at the line several times. His longest breakout in this game was eight yards, which the Colts don't have the worst defense, but their defense isn't exactly spectacular either. Uh, Ty J Spears looks like a much more efficient back. He brings more in the receiving game as well. So. I can see that Derrick Henry, in my opinion, his time is limited with the Titans. I don't think he gets another contract there. So that's that's something I'd keep an eye on. And if they lose more games and look like they're on the outside of the playoff uh, run, which I anticipate they will be, I could see them trading Tannehill and Henry at some point. Okay. Do you think they fall out of the playoff contention before the trade deadline? Because that is one of the issues of the trade deadline being so early in the season is that they may not be out of contention before the trade deadline hits. What is it, week nine? I'll look up the exact date here in a second. I disagree with you on the Henry front. Henry has always been a second-half running back. He wears down the team. Right around carry 15, 16, 17, he can burst one out. 
and he's always done this year after year. They're not using him enough to really grind out a defense right now, and that is concerning. DeAndre Hopkins is back. Like, I don't know how else to say that. Like, you said that he was going to a wasteland in Tennessee, and he's a guy that can still get separation. He can still he can still get catches, yards, touchdowns, everything. And he is the guy that they are targeting 100% right now, first read. But the NFL trade deadline going back to that is October 31st, which is only three weeks away. So I just don't think that lends for a lot of teams to fall out of it. And we will get to a team a little bit later where I will think that they will fall out of it in time for them to be able to trade. We didn't mention yet, but Jonathan Taylor did sign a three-year extension with the Colts this week. And so I do expect him to get the lion's share of the carries here. I do expect Minshew to be very serviceable as a starter going forward. Um, I did a quick Google in the background when you were speaking, um, but it is recommended for a grade three AC separation to be immobilized for four to six weeks and then return to activity or play is in about eight to 10 weeks. So Richardson could be out a lot longer than four weeks with this injury. So it's just something to keep in the back of our minds right now, because they did announce that it was a grade three AC joint. And it's just something to pay attention to. If surgery is taken, surgery is an option for a grade three. It's four to six months that he would be out. So this could potentially end Anthony Richardson's season. But at the very least, at least six weeks, I'm going to say that we're going to be without Anthony Richardson right now. So just something to keep in mind as we uh, bowl forward here in the in the season. Anyone with Anthony Richardson should be finding a backup plan for at least the next handful of games. So if the Titans lose to the Ravens and the Falcons before the deadline, do you think that they give up on the season and trade? Or do you think they hold on? Uh, is the Falcons on the road or at home? You would ask me that. So, Falcon, both of them are home games. So, Baltimore at home and Atlanta at home. Man, I think they beat Atlanta at home because we were just talking about Ritter's undefeated streak at home. Um, so, but if they do lose both of those games, they do have to consider selling. But I do think a huge part of what convinced DeAndre Hopkins to come to them was that Ryan Tannehill would be throwing him the ball. So, they do have to keep that in mind as well because he did sign a two year deal. And that could hinder their ability to get free agents in the future, especially if they might have made him promises behind the scenes of who might so, be throwing them the ball. Let me just break this down for you. So the next game is Baltimore, then it's five weeks, then it's Atlanta. Both of those are home games. If they lose both of those games, the next games are at Pittsburgh, at Tampa, at Jacksonville, then versus Carolina, versus Indy, at Miami, versus Houston, versus Seattle, at Houston. And then versus Jacksonville. I think that is most likely games they're going to lose most of those games. So if they are three and five, I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs at that point. Like it would be tremendous struggle to limp into the playoffs. So I think they would consider selling Tannehill. They consider selling Henry. They'd even consider selling Hopkins. Like you said, Hopkins wouldn't want to be there. He'd want to go to a contender. So I think that that would be interesting rebuilding option for them because they could clear out. Like, I don't think the cap penalties would be that severe. At least they could handle it this year. And then next year they'd have a lot of cap. They'd get a lot of uh, picks in, in return and they'd have a high draft pick going in to next year. So I think that's possible. I don't think most teams want to blow up their, their team. Even like Tennessee has been a team that's fought back before. Like they've had a losing record and fought back and made the playoffs before that has happened 
but that's just such a challenging schedule now that the season's played out and some of these teams are tougher than we thought. Um, so, I mean, that's a really, really tough schedule in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we've spent enough time on the Titans and the Colts. Not that they're All the right. two most exciting teams in the league right now, but I will, I can... will save my Colts stuff for uh, next episode. Yes. We have a better topic for you right now. It was the Bengals at the Cardinals. And I had picked the Cardinals to win this game, and I was dead wrong. How do you yeah. feel? How do you feel about this game now that we've watched it? And how do you feel about these teams? I felt like the Cardinals were in it for a while, but Josh Dobbs did not look that great since he's defense. They they show up every now and then. Like they have the pieces to have a good defense, and they they came through against the Cardinals. And before the season, that would seem like a no brainer. But the way the Cardinals have played. That wasn't a given. Granted, James Conner got hurt. I think James Conner would have helped the Cardinals, especially keep possession. Um, so that affected them, in my opinion. Although uh, Amari did step up as the backup. Um, Burrow played a lot better. I still don't want to see Burrow throw 46 times in a game. Mixon had an okay game, but it wasn't very efficient. And Jamar Chase looks like the only person in as a receiving option that's worthwhile holding on to because no one else has done much. Um, if you had a PPR league, Tyler Boyd was startable. He was usable, but not great. Um, I think the Cardinals, though, I've been impressed that on only uh, 15 completions for Dobbs that Marquise Brown and Rondell Moore have had usable weeks, uh, I think, con uh, consecutively a little bit. Uh, Ertz didn't really do much this one. I was annoyed Michael Wilson didn't do much in this week after – Getting two touchdowns last week, I was kind of annoyed with his lack of usage, and he didn't even get a ball thrown to him until like the last three minutes of the game. So I don't know what's up with that, but I expect that to be corrected going forward. Um, I'm just waiting to see what happens with Kyler Murray. If they bring him back as a starter, because with this week you can kind of justify it because Josh Jobs didn't do that well. But hopefully Joe Burrow is on his way to being 100% back. I still think he's probably like 80% back, but 80% of Joe Burrow is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, he looked really healthy here, so I don't know how he's getting healthy during the season that he couldn't do during preseason. So just uh, interesting how he's able to get healthy while um, playing, but in the time off, he wasn't able to get healthy enough because um, he did tweak it at one point early in the first two weeks. But it does look like the Bengals and the Cardinals might be who we thought they were. We thought the Bengals would be a playoff contender. We thought the Cardinals would be a team that would be descending and rebuilding a little bit, especially without Kyler. Um, Burrow is ascending as Josh Jobs does come back down to earth. And there is a possibility that we have, that you were correct on Josh Jobs and Josh Jobs just took the world by storm the first couple of weeks. Cause they didn't know what to expect or what to look for. And he might be as mediocre as you said he was in the preseason. So just something to look out for. And it does seem like they'll be turning the reins over to Kyler Murray at some point here in the near future. Um, Chase is back. Chase put up three touchdowns. Was it? And uh, so that was big. And then your boy, James Conner, got injured. He's injured every year. He misses a few games every year. But uh, this one does seem a little bit to be more serious because they did put him on injured reserve today as well. So uh, any any idea who could carry the load for the Cardinals going forward? It looks like it's going to be Amari is the number one backup, next man up. I don't. I would think that they'd want to bring in another running back as well, whether that's a free agent or a trade for someone that's already on a roster. I don't know, but I wouldn't rely solely on him, although he did play well um, in relief of Connor. 
Hey, is uh, Trey Sermon available from Indianapolis? I think now that uh, Jonathan Taylor is back and re-signed, I think he probably is. Just a just a good inside joke on uh, yep. on Trey Sermon that everyone thought that he was going to be the next big thing, and he has not been the next big thing just yet. But All right. we can move forward to Trey Sermon's former team, the Eagles at the Rams. Now, before we get kicked off with this game here, I do want to notate that Van Jefferson has been traded from the Rams to the Falcons, where he does get a little bit of a fresh start there. I don't expect him to be a fantasy contributor this year, but I do expect him to fly off of waiver wires this week because he'll be a big name that people picked up on with uh, with the trade this week. What were your thoughts on this game here um, as the Eagles did beat the Rams? So I felt like Kyron Williams is who I thought he was. I don't think he is an RB1. Uh, I know his scoring for the first four weeks has put him there, but I don't think that he's reliable enough for that. He is RB2, RB3, flex um, position. He doesn't really have any competition, but he seemed like he took a step back this week, granted against a good Philadelphia defense, even missing one of their their best D linemen. Um, Swift hasn't been as good of late, but he's still the number one actual running back for the Eagles. Although Jalen Hurts eats into his running back stats all the time with his rushing prowess. Um, AJ Brown had an overall good week for fantasy, but he seems to struggle in some instances in this matchup. Devontae Smith has not been that great of late. Dallas Goddard looks like he's back. Puka and Cup, we now know, can in fact coexist, and Cup is 100% back, it seems like. Um, Tutu Atwell took the backseat. Also, Higby took a little bit of a backseat in this one as well, but they liked those four enough where they were willing to part with Van Jefferson, who has disappointed this year. Like you said, I don't expect Van Jefferson to do much with the Falcons unless the Falcons trade for another quarterback at some point that will throw the ball more um, and spread it out to the receivers more so than the tight ends and running backs. Um, but he looks like a good real NFL trade, less so than fantasy trade. Uh, I expect both of these offenses to be fairly good for the rest of the year and have a lot of fantasy relevance. Right. Absolutely. The Rams look really good this year though. I mean, overall they were in on the Jonathan Taylor sweepstakes in the beginning, but now Jonathan Taylor obviously resigned with the Colts. So that's done and over with and, I don't expect to hear anything about Jonathan Taylor moving forward. Hertz ran the ball the most, but Swift didn't look as good this week on the on the ground game either, which is something that they're going to either have to go back to Gainwell or they're going to have to or Swift's going to have to be a little bit better on the ground going forward, especially against the Rams whose defense is not as good as in the past years right now. Um they did seem like they were targeting Goddard very early but that really hurt uh, Devonta Smith. And that will be interesting next week because I do believe that Devonta Smith will be the squeaky wheel that gets the grease next week. And you can mark that on your calendars to double check for next week. But I do think that he's a guy that, uh, well, he didn't do well this week. He's a guy that you want to fire up no matter what next week and just give him a shot next week. Okay, let's move on to the Kansas City Chiefs at Minnesota. This is a matchup that I went against the grain and picked Minnesota, and it certainly looked like in the third quarter, Minnesota might have upset the Chiefs. But without Justin Jefferson, once he was out, they just kind of fell apart, and they were uh, were pretty crappy in the fourth quarter. So I, I don't think that I don't think that that everything is is going smoothly. I don't know if it's 
Kirk Cousins' fault. I don't know if it's the offensive line's fault. I don't know if the, if it's the system, the defense. I don't know what it is, but they seem very broken. And right now, I don't really see a pathway for them to make the playoffs without Justin Jefferson, who might miss some time. I don't know if they're even going to have that much of a fighting chance because their best wide receiver, Jordan Addison, outside of Jefferson, is not a very physical receiver. And I think he's going to struggle with man coverage. He already has through the season. He's one of those guys that's better as the wide receiver, too. And I don't know if he can be the guy while Jefferson's out. So I'm really worried about that team. If they don't have the passing game going well for them, they aren't going to have much of a rushing game. And whether that's Madison, whether that's Akers, that doesn't bode well for them. I, I could see them giving up at some point if they're one and six at the trade deadline, one and seven, whatever it is. I could see them moving on from uh, potentially Cousins if he agrees to a trade or maybe some of the other positions there. And that would be kind of tough. That would be kind of hard to work out. May not come into fruition at all. But it's hard to see them make the playoffs at this point without like a miracle happening. For Kansas City's side, it seemed like overcompensation from the refs that they called so many penalties on the offensive lineman, uh, I think, Jawan, for false starting so many times, for starting off and starting his blocks way too soon. It's They called him out for it the week before, the last several weeks before, and they, they blew the whistle on him so many times that the Chiefs' offense really couldn't get anything going at all in this matchup. And I just think this offense has been pretty dysfunctional. It seems like they're going into a full season hangover after the Super Bowl, and it's hard to see them be a top-tier team that they, that we're accustomed to this season. Granted, they'll probably have everything worked out by the time playoffs come around, and they probably will squeak in the playoffs. So they'll still be good, but we're not seeing the excellence that we're used to seeing. And I don't know if it's a post-Super Bowl hangover or if it's their offensive coordinator leaving or they just are finally facing the real struggles of not having a legitimate wide receiver. Um, I don't know, but they don't look great either. So I think that they won't have that great of a record by the time the season's over. And there's really, to me, only Pacheco and Mahomes and Kelsey are the only ones that are usable. Yeah, but that's okay. I mean, it's okay to know who your usable talent is, but don't count the Chiefs out for trading for somebody also for a wide receiver or anything like that. And also um, with Jefferson out, I do think Addison's stock is up, and I think this really could help him grow to being that wide receiver opposite of Jefferson when Jefferson's back. But the trading Cousins thing, like, it makes sense, but it also doesn't at the same time because Jefferson's not signing his long-term deal because he doesn't know who his quarterback's going to be, and he will not do that until he knows who his quarterback is. So Minnesota needs to walk really lightly on this because once you get rid of Cousins, then who is your quarterback? Yeah, well, it looks to me like it's going to be Caleb Williams. How, though? They're not going to get the 101, I don't, I don't think. If they only have one victory, I think they'll be the number one team. <laughs> right, right. But they do have to play Green Bay with the unimpressive Jordan Love, which we'll get to. They do have to play the Bears, who've been up and mostly down this year, and they did have one up game against the Commanders, which we do have to start wondering about the Commanders. So there's there are pieces there that, that might prevent them from getting that 1.01. It's so hard to get that 1.01 pick. You have to trade for it yeah. like Carolina did last year. I mean, they could get Drake May, too. So it's entirely possible. Um, But we can move on uh, to, it looks like, the New York Jets at the Denver Broncos. And Jeff, I know this is the matchup that you would love to talk about, so I'll let you go first. Yeah, so my boy, Brees Hall, he is back. and, and, And Brees Hall, that is the whole entire sentence. Like, 
I don't need to say anything more, anything less. I believe he had 177 yards on the ground. He is back, and uh, he's been explosive even when he was under a snap count. And now his snap count is lifted, and now I expect these higher output performances. Um, and Jaleel McLaughlin looked good in a spot start for the Broncos. Javante was out. It does look like Javante will be back for this next week. But the Broncos, at this point, do not look good. And they lost to the coach that Sean Payton ripped in the offseason as Nathaniel Hackett's offense did put up more points than the Denver Broncos did. And they could be the first team that actually hits that fire sale status. And I do think that they're going to need to do that in order to kind of reboot this franchise, because it does seem like the, men the, the mentality of this team is really struggling right now. And Sean Payton is probably starting to lose this locker room, which means that these players need to be cycled through right now. The only player that, I don't know what they do with is Russell Wilson. So here's the thing with Russ. His extension does not pick up until next year. So cutting him, trading him, anything with him is going to destroy your cap over the next two to three seasons. So the cap is very manageable and maneuverable. But in a situation like this, where you sign someone to a big extension, you've given them their bonus, that all hits your cap if you get rid of him. So they're kind of stuck together at this point. Um, one thing that isn't being discussed that I would actually be interested in, and I thought about it a little bit this afternoon, is what if Russ was traded to Minnesota for Kirk Cousins? It, it resolves Peyton's Russ problem. It gives Justin Jefferson a quarterback that can get him the ball. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't really have any other answers than that. And the caps kind of would cross each other out. So like you're taking dead cap, but you're not really adding more cap to your to your team so it was just an interesting thought of the minnesota's done with kirk and denver's done with russ and it, you just swip swap them get them into different spots imagine kirk cousins with sean payton hmm. the thing is kirk cousins has that trade trade clause no trade clause i should say i don't know if you'd agree to go to denver that's the only hang up jerry but... judy Cortland sutton a couple good tight ends um i mean he's got weapon. he would have weapons there and a good to great to potentially hall of fame head coach but would he want to be in the same division as patrick mahomes and justin herbert i would say I mean, probably not no because i think those are probably two of the top three top four quarterbacks in the nfl right now yeah i think the only situation right now that he would 100 percent sign on to the deal is if he somehow was going to the 49ers which i think there's no way that happens financially and especially not with Brock Purdy playing as well as he's playing, but being re reunited with Shanahan, I think would be the ideal situation. Um, I don't see him wanting to play for Denver. I don't think Judy or Sutton are top tier weapons. I don't think that the tight ends they have are top tier weapons. I don't think the running backs they have are top tier running backs yet. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Right. It's an interesting scenario, but uh it's all hypothetical right now, but the Broncos are heading downward. The Jets, I, Zach Wilson is improving. Like, I don't know how else to say it than that, but he has shown some real good fire the last few weeks. Yeah. I, 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 man, I almost think, sorry, I'm still thinking about the trades. I almost think it will never happen, but Kirk Cousins to the Cowboys for Dak, I think that would be interesting as well. Yeah, I feel like that's like the Spider-Man meme pointing back and forth at each other i feel like they're a lot of this they're in the same class of quarterback i think cousins is better though maybe but 
but yeah, uh, it's uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but I don't I don't foresee those both happening at this exact juncture either. All right. Well, we talked about the Cowboys and 49ers. Let's go ahead and talk about their matchup. So let's move on to the Sunday night matchup. I don't think I skipped anything. Okay. Um, and man, 49ers look legit. Cowboys, like I've been saying, when the game is on the line and Dak has it on his shoulders, he has not been good. He has not been good at all. Only CeeDee Lamb has really been the only usable passing option with Dak, which is very concerning because a lot of people like Michael Gallup. A lot of people like Brandon Cooks, uh, Ferguson. Those guys haven't really been able to be showcased because Dak's been very terrible. Um, but I expected that the 49ers would have more of a ground game. They kind of did because they got so far ahead that they started using Jordan Mason uh, as a running back and resting Christian McCaffrey at a certain point. So that was nice. Tony Pollard didn't really do much in this matchup. Uh, his receptions kind of saved a little bit of his fantasy outlook. But George Kittle making up all of his points in one matchup with the three touchdowns <laughs> uh, helped me. He in almost a couple screwed leagues. me in my guillotine league. I know. I know he almost screwed you over, but he helped me in two of my leagues. So I appreciate the the George Kittle explosion. Brandon Ayuk is good. Uh, Debo Samuel's good. I think you have a note here. Start all 49ers at all times, basically. But man, the 49ers look almost unstoppable. The, uh, the Niners, the Eagles, the Lions, they look really, really good on the NFC side. And it's starting to look like the NFC might be better than the AFC this year, or at least record-wise anyway with some of these teams. But Jeff, how did you feel about this matchup? <sighs> oh, man. Niners are all must-starts right now. And uh, they scored 30 points in a, at least 30 points in all of their games this year. So that's really impressive because they are a fire. They're, they have a lot of firepower. Uh, as you mentioned, Kittle finally exploded. Purdy's probably a must-start at this point. Ayuk is just balling this year. Um, Samuel, CMC. Um, I did realize, and I, I, I think I might have made mistakes in previous weeks, the Ayuk got his fifth-year option picked up, and I guess I didn't realize that where I reported it, and then I forgot about it. But So they do have Ayuk going into next year. He's not really entering a contract year right now. So that's really big for the 49ers because they could actually bring back their entire team around Purdy next year. So this is not like just a one-year wonder. This could be a two-year easy hit. So we'll see what happens with that. But Dak, Pollard, Lamb, all in, unimpressive right now. So we need to kind of figure out what's wrong with this offense because this offense was much better last year under Kellen Moore. And even with Dak making mistakes, like, it's okay to make mistakes. Just put up fantasy points. Come on. Like, that's kind of what we're looking for here. Put up point points too, I guess. And we'll see what happens with that. I did want to rewind for one second here to the Broncos. I did see just now that Jerry Judy started following all of the Carolina Panthers. So Ooh. I don't know if you're going to hear it here first, but Jerry Judy might be headed to the Carolina Panthers sometime in the next two weeks, two to three weeks. Man, I'm going to be looking for that and I will be monitoring my phone. <laughs> so <laughs> that would be quite interesting if that happens during our recording. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and uh, we'll probably report it between this podcast and the next podcast. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, but when it comes down to the Cowboys, I think you said the difference, like between the difference between this year and last year is they kicked Kellen Moore to the curb and Justin Herbert has benefited from it. Dak Prescott has not. So I think that if they continue to struggle with how talented this roster is, I think Kevin McCarthy might be put on the hot seat. It just depends on how the year 
goes. Um, but I'd be concerned. Outside of that, man, I think the Cowboys are still a playoff team. I, I think the 49ers are a top contender for the Super Bowl. Um, I'm starting every 49ers player. I am very worried about the fantasy relevance of the Cowboys, though. I think it might just be defensive close games for a lot of these games. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, the Cowboys defense isn't even looking that impressive right now. So that's another issue that just popped up. And I don't know if that's because of Trey Diggs, but it's just an issue that popped up recently. And they're not a must-start defense at this exact juncture. Do you want to hop to the last game of the week? Let's do it. Let's move on to the Green Bay Packers at the Las Vegas Raiders. And although we picked Green Bay for this matchup, we did break down the team comparison and they were almost identical teams other than some big plays. And a lot of that could be luck and scheme and just not having enough film on uh, Jordan Love. But the Raiders playing at home, the Raiders trying to make uh, another statement game that they're not one of the worst teams in the league. Um, they showed out in a very close, ugly game. But a, a lot of the prediction for us, at least for me, uh, and probably I would assume for you, is there was a chance Aaron Jones was going to play. There was a chance Devontae Adams wasn't going to play. And for me, that kind of swayed my opinion on that outlook. But, man, Jordan Love came crashing back down to earth. Uh, I know it's we get caught up. Everyone gets caught up. Us, you guys out there on uh, short-term success. And I, I think that Jordan Love's early success made us think that he potentially is a better quarterback than what we have thought about before the season started. I think that he is a little bit better than what I thought he'd be, but I don't think he is a top quarterback anymore. I don't think that he will end up as a top 15 or 16 quarterback in the league. I think he's bottom third, but I don't think he's all the way at the bottom. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think both of those guys are oddly very similar, but Jimmy Garoppolo has, is working with a little bit more star power with Adams and Myers and Jacobs. So I think that benefits him. Uh, this may have been a different outcome if they had Aaron Jones fully healthy. So uh, both these teams are in a similar position, in my opinion, and I expect them both to finish with a similar record. Jeff, how do you feel about this matchup? Oh, man, this was not one of my favorite Monday night games other than I needed Jacoby Myers to go off like he did for to survive my guillotine league, which if you haven't played in a guillotine league, I recommend everyone give one a shot next year. It's where you play with 18 teams and one team gets chopped each week and all their players go back to the waiver wire. Very fun. Uh, very stressful, though, because you don't want to be that lowest scoring team that goes home that week. And that was almost me this week. Uh, I think Myers is a must start, along with Adams and Jacobs going forward. Uh, Love regressing, as you had mentioned, is kind of surprising. But you might have been right about him. Do you think it's because he's bad or the injuries have finally mounted up on the Packers? Um, I don't think he's bad. I think he's mediocre. And I think there's now, going into the game, there's four weeks of film on him. Now there's five weeks. I think that um, Aaron Jones being hurt and their best offensive lineman being hurt has certainly affected him. Uh, I do think that Christian Watson and Dobbs will be okay going forward if they can figure out some pass protection. But I just think he's a middling quarterback at best at this point. I don't think he's the worst quarterback. He's certainly not going to be a top quarterback. Uh, I think that they could potentially do better, but they have him for, I think, two years. So they'll see how he is. I don't think they're going to be in a position to draft a quarterback this year, though. So they will have to see what he is. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think he's good enough to carry talent. And I think these injuries have mounted up and he's really missing Aaron Jones big time. Someone to take the pressure off of him. But he 
has Watson back, who's now a focal point. I do believe Jaden Reed can safely be dropped as long as Watson and Dobbs are healthy and Musgrave's healthy. Um, I just find him to be a roster clogger at the end of benches right now. So if you want to go take a stab on a Curtis Samuel or uh, KJ Osborne or somebody else that could potentially get a more larger target share than Jaden Reed, it's it, it's it's safe to be able to drop him at this point after a really good start to the year, and he was really usable the first three weeks of the year with Watson out. But that's and, all I uh, have about that matchup. Yep, but keep an eye out on news on a, on duty <laughs> in the Panthers. He might be a buy buy low candidate if if he ends up getting moved there because he would most likely improve with the Panthers just from game script. So keep an eye on that too. Yeah, all absolutely. Right. That does it for this episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you all for downloading or listening to this episode. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us a comment and share the show. Every little bit helps. As always, you can find us with our handle at N2E Fantasy on Spotify, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, X, and Threads. Please give us a follow. Until next time, take care of yourselves. And remember, it's truly never too early for fantasy football. Thank you again. Bye, everybody.